Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down into the show notes and leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on social media and I'll make sure to plug in a link. We were on Instagram Reels Live, super spectacular. That was really fun. With With Mary Bathrick from uh, Beauty and Ordinary Things. We interviewed her for the show that was on last week. And the tables turned and I got an opportunity to... um, to answer some questions from her and that was really great we had a lot of fun we'll put the link in the show notes and if you have a Mm -hmm. chance you can go watch that it's you know it's live but now it's recorded and uh you get to to see our silly faces on a on an iphone Mm -hmm. and so many bad dad jokes you guys guys so many bad guys it was like it was a it was a dad valanche nobody invited you it was a dad valanche that i invited myself it was beautiful i invited myself i put on uh the netflix and i made an appearance (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um, anyway, so today we're going to, we, we know we have a lot of new listeners mm-hmm. and a lot of people are doing homeschooling for the first time this year. I know our podcast has been around for over a year now yep. and we have a lot of new people and this is their first year. And what we wanted to do is we, we've covered a lot of the topics that we're going to talk about today. We've covered them all in, in depth, in depth. Um, but they were kind of at the, you know, at the beginning of our podcast and we felt like it would be good to just refresh for those of you that don't want to scroll back a hundred episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we've been hearing people who are binge listening to the, you know, your old episodes. And so we're going to put together kind of a walkthrough of starting homeschool. So your, right. your first, like say 10 steps. And what's important about this episode is that if you have a chance, We'll make sure to include the link to the playlist on our YouTube channel. But Ariel, in her beautiful face, Mm. recorded 10 amazing videos walking people through the steps of homeschooling. A lot of the terminology. There's there's more detail than there could be in this just because, you know, and those videos are fairly short even still. And know that we have an in-depth podcast on every one of these topics that we're going to talk about today. And we'll link all of those in the show notes too. So if... You know, if you want to, you see a little bit more in depth, you can go to YouTube. And then if you feel like you really need a deep dive, you can go back into our episode archives and you know, click on these links and you can hear entire episodes about finding curriculum and that kind of thing. Yeah. So let's walk through it. We're going to go through step by step. Just basically, let's start with the introduction. You know, like wh- where do you start? What is, Ariel, what is zero to homeschool? So... You know, we don't have all the answers. Certainly, we haven't been homeschooling forever, and homeschooling journeys are different for every family. Exactly. So, if you're new and you're still a bit overwhelmed, the one thing we want to say is it's going to be okay. Right. You're going to be okay. Uh, your kids are going to be okay. Take a deep breath. And, um, you, and you don't need all the answers to start. You don't need all the answers. We don't have all the answers, and you don't need all the well, answers. Well, I don't know about you, but I know I have all the answers. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Oh. Do tell. No. You have to enlighten me sometime. (laughs) So uh, we just want to make sure that we want to give, we want this to be a very reassuring episode. We know that it can be overwhelming, especially if you were not expecting to homeschool and you now are. And you're seeing a lot of, I'm seeing it on my Reddit boards. You're seeing it on your Facebook boards. A lot of the same fears that we see kind of every single year. And it's probably a recurring theme, very much like, you know, pregnancy. You know, there's always going to be new moms out there. There's always going to be new homeschoolers, right? And and they're always going to have the same questions and the same fears. And so... Just understand that you don't need to have all the answers. You just have just get started, I think is the message. Right. We're going to try to walk you through some of the basic steps to get you going. Um, some of this may be new or old. You know, if you're a seasoned homeschooler, maybe some of this is just like comfort food. Sometimes I like to listen to that kind of thing too and just re- help recenter me. Sometimes we can get a little bit off track of, uh, of the goal of why we want to homeschool. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're going to try to give you some concise steps and you can get 
lots more info in our show notes, but that's what we're going to try to do today. So, so the biggest fear, and it's probably the number one question that you get on these forums and on these groups is the question of, my gosh, can I actually do this? Like, can I homeschool? Yeah. Well, especially, you know, homeschooling is done by lots of different folks, right? So moms, dads, grandparents. Two, you know, uh, two working professionals kind of juggling their schedule. It's done by all kinds of different folks, yeah. but especially, it's especially done by moms, to be honest. And we moms are very hard on ourselves. We, we are harder on ourselves than we are on anyone else. And so I see a lot of moms come in and say, I think that homeschooling is right for my family or I need to homeschool for whatever reason. And I really don't know if I can do this. Am I, am I really, am I going to hurt my kids? Uh, you know, there's so much mom guilt out there. So, um, I think that the important thing to do is just know that, you know, we, we go and we look on Pinterest and we look at blogs and YouTube and listen to this podcast and think, oh my gosh, I, you know, I, I don't know if I could get there. Just remember that every single family that you see that looks like they have all their stuff together, A, they probably don't have all their stuff together. They're only showing you the highlights. Yeah. So, well, and, and social media has a confirmation bias with respect to pretty pictures and pretty things. Right. So, so one, it's not all as great as they make it look. And and secondly, uh, they all started exactly where you're starting now. Yep. Everyone started not knowing how to homeschool. Uh, you know, so we have our we have our fabulous days, we have our down days, mm. um, everything in between, and we started just where you're starting. So know that yeah. when you see that picture of the mom that looks like everything is together, the next day everything could be crazy and chaotic, and everybody has a bad day, and she had the same fears you have when you're when you're getting started. Exactly, so. Yeah. Put yourself in that mind frame, and if you if you feel like you're you're stuck there, that you just can't move on, I like to just fake it till you make it. That was something <laughs> that I I often had. I, I suffered from very bad anxiety when Matthew and I first met, mm-hmm. and one of the things several therapists said was just just act like you're okay for a little bit and just start going through the motions. And suddenly you'll realize that you're doing it. It's almost like teaching a kid to ride a bike yeah. and they're scared to do it. And you get them to start pedaling while you hold on to them. And then eventually you let your hands go and they they, they pedal and they don't realize that they're pedaling by themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it's one of those things. Fake it till you make it. Well, especially you know, really be- try to yeah. believe in yourself. And if you don't believe yet, just just fake it until you all of a sudden you're doing it and yeah. you do believe that this is possible. And, and to be honest, you know, when you first step in and you're playing the educator, um, it can be terrifying because you don't know what the right thing is. Right. You don't know how to do things correctly. You don't know how to be engaging because you've never done it before. And doing it, just starting it and failing and then coming back and being humble about it and having a good dialogue with your, your learner, even at a kindergarten level. Just be honest and blunt with them. Say, "Hey, mommy's or daddy is, you know, we're I'm still try- figuring this out. I'm figuring this thing out, and you, I'm, I'm here to help you, and I'm not going to give up as long as you don't give up. Well, let's do this together. Right? I love you so yeah. much that I'm, I'm doing this for you, and and we'll find our way together, yeah, even I, if we stumble. I, and yeah, I think learning to be an educator is a very tough skill that yeah. y- you will figure out in those first few months. And then once you got that down, homeschooling will actually feel very easy. Well, and I be... think it's interesting how you say, you know, get it down to, which is something that I think. Um, it... It's like giving talks. Like when you get in front of somebody and you're, you have to give a lecture to 10 or 15 people, that first time is terrifying. You do right. it 50 times, it doesn't become as terrifying but as it was. But this is the point that when you talk about when you when you get it, it's that you're able to do it without fear, but we're still constantly evolving. Oh yeah, I'm still trying right? to. We're, yeah, we're always tweaking. We're always um, trying I, to find a better I, way. I, I gave you that great analogy the other day of you know whenever I played basketball, I always told you, you know, every time I leveled up in my capability, whether I'm going from like AAU or I went to middle school, then I was on JV and then I was on varsity, and then I was playing in rec leagues and stuff. There's the idea of game speed. And the idea of game speed is really just like the first time you step into that game that's at a higher level, the game is moving way faster than you're mm-hmm. re- you're willing to play. But after like a game or two of that, all of a sudden the game slows down. And you always hear these professional basketball players, these professional athletes and say, the game slowed down for me. And that didn't mean that the game actually slowed down. It meant that you calmed down. You're you better can, able to handle it. You're better it. able to handle it. And educating, I think, is a lot like that. You need to feel the game speed of education Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that you have to 
you're, you know, everything is super easy. No, 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 no. But it just, you take the fear comes down and you're actually able to see more. You're actually yeah. able to see and experience and, and pivot and see what your edu- your learner's doing, you know, today and, you know, what is working today may not work tomorrow. It's just the game speed slows down and you, f- you feel more comfortable in that role. I think it's a big thing. Yeah. I think it's important to know as teachers, you know, when you talk about learning to become an educator, that it can feel very intimidating for us to say, we're going to step into this role, which, uh, you know, a regular, a certified teacher has spent so much, so, so many educational man hours to become a certified teacher. So, and then they have so much experience teaching in the classroom, right? So if I'm looking at putting my daughter in public school with a kindergarten teacher who's been doing it for 20 years and has a full educational background in it, or me, I feel like I don't stack up very well. But one of the things that I want us all to remember is that there's one thing that we have that that teacher does not have. And that is the fact that we know our kids better than anyone else on the planet could possibly know our kids, right? We birthed them, we've raised them, we've lived with them and taught them everything. So, you know, to say that we now feel like we're not, you know, we're not measuring up against a certified teacher. There are skills that they have that you don't have, and that's true. But this is something that you have that's incredibly important. One of the things about homeschool is it's not just a way of education, it's a way of life. Mm -hmm. And so talking about how well you know your kids and the relationship that you have with your kids means so much Mm -hmm. when you're working through those issues. You know, as you said, oh, you know, honey, we're, I'm mommy and daddy, we're trying to figure this out and we're going to get there together and just, will you go with me? And that, that's all relationship stuff. You build that because you have built relationship capital with your kid. So use that to your advantage Mm -hmm. So that, you know, you'll know if something's not working, you're going to know a lot faster than a teacher would. I, you know, in a second, the glazed over look oh, yeah. in our daughter's eyes oh, yeah. when you know that she's not getting it or not, not engaged, you know, the fire and excitement look that she has when she's really into something, mm-hmm. you know, those are the things that we cue off of and we learn from. But also we have the freedom to experience those freedom to recognize those, you know, when you're in a classroom setting, like a lot of these kids are you know, the teacher is really just talking to sets of eyeballs and they don't have time to go, yeah, Johnny, you're really enjoying yeah, they, this. I'm sure yeah. they would love to dig in with each student. They, they would, just don't of course have, they would. They yeah. just don't have that time. But you do. That we have. So we have that time that we can give our kids and it's really important to, it's really important to embrace that. The other thing that we have is we know our kids so well and we have this mama and daddy instinct. And I didn't really, I kind of thought this was hocus pocus before I had kids. And then I developed a mama gut and you know, right? There's times when you know what is right for your kids, right for your family. Mm -hmm. So if you've decided that your gut tells you that what's what's happening for your kids educationally is not working and you need to bring them home and you need to do some homeschool and do something different, don't let anybody give you flack for that, right? You're going to have to leave behind the naysayers. That includes grandma and your sister and your best friend and whoever thinks that homeschoolers are weird. Now, luckily, one... I'm not saying you never talk to them. You just maybe just don't bring it up to them anymore if they're they're not supportive. Don't... You know, bring bring it up with them. Do whatever you feel you want to do. My advice is just... Don't let them hold you back by their negative opinion of homeschool. Now, if there's one silver lining that we have experienced in the last year and a half, it is that now homeschooling is a lot more normal, quote unquote, like everybody knows a homeschooler um, that didn't before. So I think that that's an advantage. I've I've heard so many people um, reference homeschooling, referencing the idea of homeschooling in a positive light. And it's not like obscure homeschool podcasts. I'm talking like major podcasts that I've heard where people have referenced homeschooling or that we have homeschooled or, you know, that we did kind of a hybrid school this year. And I, I really, you know, they'll say, I really respect homeschooling. I see it as a good thing. It is an amazing experience. It's an, it's an amazing ability to actually take the education upon yourself and, and share that with your child. 
I think you're right. The stigma has been just completely ripped off in the last few years. It now, has. I'm sure there's going to be a few people who had just crashed and burned. And those and homeschooling's not right for them. They were just forced into and that situation. And it's not right for everyone. Yeah. But there no, are still the old guard. I, I've seen many Facebook posts in the last few weeks of people getting started saying that their parents yeah. you know, the, or in-laws are not supportive of this. Um I agree with you with the younger families, but definitely, you know, you're going to have somebody, you could have somebody in your family that's totally not on board. Uh, the advice that I gave to someone the other day who was worried about this, her mother-in-law was just like very anti, I couldn't believe she was going to do it. <laughs> um, she was, she's very anti and just couldn't believe they were going to homeschool. You can't be serious. Uh, and I told her, you know, when we first started this, actually before we started homeschooling, when we told our parents mm -hmm. we were going to homeschool, well, they were both a little on the fence, but particularly your parents yeah. and your mom was they very did, against it. just it. didn't understand it. And yeah, and it mostly came from a place of not understanding, of having a stereotypical view of homeschoolers. And you know what ended up happening? Once we started to homeschool our older daughter and her grandparents got to see what a uh, a bright and inquisitive and social mm -hmm. um, girl she was and got to see the advantages that that we were able to give her via homeschooling, that we were able to focus on things that were important to her, all that stuff, that was like the proof was in the pudding. Now, your mom is the one who's telling coworkers, oh, you're having problems with your kids in school? You need to homeschool them. You know, you should really think about this, <laughs> she's, right? She's, she's now a homeschool now, yeah. evangelist, right? So if you have some family members that are not on board, that are contributing to you feeling guilt about going this direction, just leave them behind. Just don't don't listen to the criticism. Go the way that you think you need to go for your family and let it sort itself out because they'll see the the truth. You don't need to you don't need to argue with them. If homeschooling is right for your kids, the proof will be in the pudding. So just just block them all out for the moment. I know that can be really hard when you're getting started that you worry that what everyone's going to think of you. You do have to realize this is an alternative way of schooling. Hmm. And there are some people that are always going to be against it because it is not status quo. Um, but that's okay. There's plenty of us here in this community, and this community is continually growing. So, and speaking of community, find a community, find a co-op, find people who who are supportive. Yeah, that is that is a great place for you to find other, you know, the the challenge, the socialization question, to find other people like you, right? And then use the not use them, but you know, to to lean on them for support. Right. It's Whether a great this way. is an online community or this is an in-person co-op or a couple of friends that you have that you could do a park date with. Mm -hmm. You need some seasoned homeschoolers, um, especially at the beginning when you have these questions and you have, have these fears and doubts. And not that you're not going to go through periods where you have new fears and doubts, because we do, even though we've been homeschooling. Um, it's great to have seasoned homeschoolers to lean on and to ask those questions because somebody else has been there. Mm -hmm. They've had that situation and they're going to be able to give you some good advice. So we, despite what's happened during the pandemic, we do not homeschool in isolation. No. That's not the way that we work. We're incredibly social and we're very busy. Uh, somebody had asked us earlier, you know, what do we do to, to for, for connection, social connection for our kids? And then we started listing all of the different things we do. It's like, oh, well, there's preschool and there's gymnastics and there's swim class and there's dance and then there's play dates with friends. And and the other person talking was like, oh, yeah, well, there's this class and that class. And we do this. And we and it's like our schedules are very full. We are very social. So don't think that homeschool means that you have to be mm -hmm. locked at home. You, you really do need to embrace a community, even if you're not a super um extroverted person mm -hmm. it can be hard to put yourself out there it but can. this is a group of people that you need you cannot do this by yourself i i fervently believe that this cannot be done in isolation so find whatever well, you're comfortable with to get you out of your shell a little yeah, bit and especially you find if you may not have that draw to join a group or to hang out with other people you want to make sure you you pull yourself out of that shell for your child that's and that's true. that is something that you know, if you're an introvert, you have to you have to take that one for you know the quote unquote take it for the team, because you do know it is important for your child to have that experience, and so it is important that you you engage in that. So we try to answer the can I homeschool question. The next one, which right? We is, have an entire podcast on imposter syndrome. On, on imposter if you want syndrome, more empowerment, yeah. you can go listen to that. Yeah. But but 
we'll leave it with this. Just breathe and believe because yeah. you have got this. We have confidence in you. So the first thing that people do is when they run into homeschooling is the fear that this is so dramatically different. It's not like I'm not, it's not like I'm pulling my kid out of public school and sending them to some private school or some parochial school or, you know, to a charter school or a magnet school or whatever. I'm DIYing my own education. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that people get afraid of is, my gosh, I'm going to have to fill out 50 TPS reports <laughs> yeah. for the for the local school district. And what are all the rules and states and laws and all that stuff? And, you know, am I even allowed to do this? And we know we're very, very fortunate in this country, in the U.S., to, that homeschooling is very legal. Um, it's less, it's more stringent, the rules and regulations in certain states than the mm-hmm. others. Um, but it's very legal. And we know in other countries, it is illegal. And there's some states, there's some countries in uh, mm-hmm. Europe where you're not allowed to homeschool. Um, we are very fortunate that we're able to do this and able to take our education in our own hands. So so key in on that first question that the people are afraid that they always talk about the state rules and the state laws. What do, what do they have to, how, how can they get around that? Right. So we all have to be compliant with our state laws to legally homeschool. It's very important that we know we un, know and understand those laws and that we comply by them so we can keep and, homeschooling legal. It doesn't mean you have to become a lawyer. A lot of these rules and regulations are no. very simple. They're very straightforward. They're, They're very, very straightforward. Yeah. And luckily, every state has at least one, if not more, uh, homeschooling associations, which are super helpful for this. There's also the Homeschool Legal Defense Association which is a national organization here in the United States. So we'll put links in the show notes. But yeah. those are two great resources for you to well, find out. And the Homeschool out. Legal Defense Association, I think, aggregates based on the state, and they give you the information and the links right. to, to whatever state it is. So you can just find out what state you're in, and then they give you the pointers. Yeah, it's it's all broken down for you. So you definitely, it's, it's not that hard to find out, but you do need to understand it. There's a couple things you want to really look for when you're looking at your state uh, state laws. The first thing to understand is what the compulsory age in your state is. So that's the age at which you have to declare what you're going to do. Either you're going to homeschool or you're going to send your child to public or you know private school. So this is the, if you hear declaration of intent online, that's what that is. That's declaring your intent to homeschool. Now below your whatever compulsory age, in our state it's eight years old, you are educationally free. So you can do whatever you want to do without your child being considered truant. So you have to understand what your compulsory age is. And if you haven't hit it yet, great. There's no requirements for you. You can do whatever you want to do. If you have hit it, then you'll have to submit your declaration. Or if your kid's been in public school before and you're pulling them out, even if they're under compulsory age, you will have to fill that out, basically de-enrolling them from the school district. So this is one area, like what those forms are, who you send them to, where they're located. This is where your homeschool association is really helpful. And they can help you tell you the correct dates and, you know, usually it's your school superintendent, but they can help you with that paperwork. But that's the first thing to understand. When do you, when do you need to tell somebody you're going to homeschool? The next thing to understand is what the qualification is to homeschool as a parent. Do you have to have a college degree or is there a qualifying course or do you have to meet with a certified teacher? So what qualifications as an educator, as an educator, do you have to have in your state and make sure that you meet those? Um, then you need to understand what your state requires that you teach. Some states have requirements on what subjects are taught. Maybe they have some curriculum requirements. They may have, they usually have requirements on time, either days or hours. So, so you, you want to understand when do you have to tell them you're going to homeschool? What qualifications do you have to have to teach your kid? And what do you have to teach? And, and, and how much, right? How, how long? Those are the biggest questions that you want to ask. And then the final thing to cap it all off is, what do I have to report? Do I have to assess my kid? Do they have to take standardized tests? Do I have to submit a portfolio of their work? Um, that's kind of, that's kind of the way, those are the, the four main areas that you want to just focus on. Now, some states require you to do like a pre-written learning plan before the, before school starts. There's some states with odd caveats, but those are the main pieces that are really important to understand because it's going to, it's going to craft, obviously you have to meet all your qualifications to get started. And then depending on what they need you to teach, it's going to have a big impact on your year, the curriculum that you choose, um, et cetera. So those are the things to really understand about your state laws. So moving from that, you know, once you understand the laws and that's kind of like, we, we look at that as like the architecture of your homeschool environment. The next thing is the meat on the bones, which is what are you going to teach? And a lot of states, and there's 
you know, with us, we're kind of a federal system where we have individual states and we have national government. We have different standards at two, two different levels and very much thing, some states are supersets of the national standards. Some states don't engage in the national standard. So walk through a little bit of that complication of how do we put the meat on the bones with, with respect to our homeschooling? Yeah. So if you're wondering, okay, I have a fourth grader, what am I supposed to teach? Right. This is a, so one of the ways you can get some guidance on that, obviously your state tells you what subjects they want you to teach for that grade if, if they've given you guidance on that. So you've got that to use, but then you have educational standards. So these would be what your child would need to know at the end of that grade level if they were in public school. Now, it's not necessarily saying that you have to teach that, but if you want guidance, this is a good place to look and see, gosh, if they were in fourth grade in public school, what would they need to know? So your state has educational learning standards. Um, these cover all the subjects. Now, for math and English language arts, they, those standards may or may not be quote-unquote common core, which is a national standard. So that national standard for math and English language arts has been adopted by almost all states. It's like 41 of 50. So there are some that don't. Um, but if you go to the Department of Education website, you'll be able to go and find your state's educational learning standards by grade and subject, and then you can see for yourself what you would need to know. Um, so we'll put a link in the show notes. If it's something that you're worried about, you really want to make sure that you're staying on level, you know, maybe you want to return to public school next year. It's really important to understand those. Um, if, if it's something that you're particularly concerned about, there are some curriculum companies that have already um, yeah, they'll, they'll coalesced they're, that. They're, they're common core aligned. Yeah, that's what they use the term common core So aligned, then yeah. you can just, you're like, ah, I'm good, right? You know, I can just choose a common core aligned curriculum if that's what you want, if you're looking to do that because maybe you want to return to school and you don't want to have to interpret educational um, regulations yourself or standards yourself. So, but good to understand if it's something that you want some guidance on. And, you know, from, from our standpoint, you know, homeschooling family, we, we really don't stress about the standards very much. We've read through them a couple times. We understand what they're looking for. Um, we find a lot of our curriculum choices, which will be the next section, you know, get us there mm -hmm. and we don't really worry about it. So unless you have a, a learner that you are, that is a little bit, um, struggling at certain subjects or um, is challenged in some, some areas, whether they have some uh, a learning issue or something of that nature, that may be matter to you. Or if you're trying to keep your kid on quote unquote grade level, um, which isn't really a real term in the homeschooling world, but we understand that there's a lot of homeschooling crossover, uh, public school crossover, that that, that term matters. Um, you know, those are important things to look at, review, and that could also be helpful with your assessment. If you're thinking about having to do assessments, you can use those for that. Exactly. Okay, so they've gone out, they've looked at all the standards, they've read Common Core, their eyes have glazed over, <laughs> um, they read their state requirements, um, they know they're not teaching those state requirements in the schools because <laughs> they don't have enough time for it. Now they've got to go out and say, oh, my goodness, I got to make a curriculum choice. How do I go out and make a curriculum choice? So I guess what I would say about this is it's um, you have to decide what you're going to teach and how you're going to teach it. So if you've looked at your standards or maybe you're not concerned with that, but you just know what you want to teach this year, um, you need to make a determination about what to teach and then that and then and then how. So you can decide whether or not you want to use a curriculum. There are plenty of homeschoolers out there that mm -hmm. do not use curriculum and not just unschoolers. So you'll hear the term unschooling, which is a child, uh, child led schooling. And that's based on their interest. And they, sometimes they leverage curriculum and sometimes they don't. Um, there are plenty of other families though, that just put together their own unit studies. They teach reading very, phonics. Very eclectic. They're they very eclectic. They say, you know, together, this month yeah. we're going to study volcanoes and next month we're going to study birds. And that's what we're going to do as a family. And we're going to pull in some science and some math. And maybe they have a math workbook that they use and they teach some phonics and they read and they write and it's very free form. So, <clears throat> don't by any means think that you have to have a curriculum. But I know, especially for people that are getting started, curriculum is a comforting thing. It I, and and it I really feel is. this way, yes, right? It is. You know, when, I, I mean, yeah, if I had been doing this for many years, I could just say, ah, I'm going to wing it and make my own thing. But <laughs> as an, as a, you know, homeschoolers, we've been homeschooling now for, I guess it's almost three years. Um, and we, we feel 
you know, pretty confident, but I still like the comfort of having a curriculum because that scope and sequence, what you're going to do and when you're going to do it, it's a comforting thing. So, but well, and, just, and, I just want to caveat yeah. this finding curriculum and, thing with, and, you don't have to get it. Doing curriculum. the DIY thing, being eclectic, I think puts a lot of pressure on them, on the parent. And we, we've interviewed a bunch of people, um, you know, homeschooling journeys, all of our homeschooling journey podcasts, overwhelming majority of them are all eclectic homeschoolers. Right. And so that, that seems like the default selection, but I always feel that. But a I, lot of them use curriculum as they, well. They do, and they, and they use a lot of unit studies to help them along. Right. And making the decision on what to do, while you can do it yourself and you can build it and you're fully capable of doing that, you the mm-hmm. listener, you're absolutely capable of building your own thing. It just takes time and effort and work. And there's a lot of creators out there who have done the work for you. Yeah. And you know, as we are secular homeschoolers, we... We have our own selections, um, but we understand that people, you know, need what they need. And go out, going out and finding what works for you and your family, I think having that little bit of structure, at least just to start. I'm not saying you have to con- continue it all the way through. And we we know we've interviewed a lot of people that have said, "Oh, I tried this curriculum, it didn't work for us. We chucked it out. We mm-hmm. went to another one." We we like the idea of starting very simple and very small and very short because you don't want to go out and spend a thousand dollars on a big box curriculum Mm-mm. and it not be that. right for your learner because you're out that money you're then frustrated and angry because you just spent a ton of money and that can be very challenging it can create a very negative homeschooling environment and then that yeah. could also mean that somebody goes out and goes well i tried that homeschooling thing did not work you know well so it's, <laughs> it's very hard yeah. right getting a boxed a box curriculum there's a comfort in that in saying that i don't have to think about this my kids in third grade i'm going to go buy the third grade box curriculum and, uh, you know, n- more power to you if that works for you. Absolutely. The, the thing about it, though, is that, as you said, it's expensive. If you have a charter school that's going to pay for it, go for it. But if you're not and you have to pay out of pocket and you have never homeschooled before, mm-hmm. we would recommend starting a little bit easier on yourself. Uh, so you can definitely start. There's tons of resources that are very low cost. Um the other thing about boxed curriculums is that you need to be a little bit cautious about the reading and math age of your child. Mm-hmm. So uh, if if they don't give you the opportunity to adjust those levels, that can be a little bit tough. Because if your reader's at a sixth grade level and they're in fourth grade box, they're going to be reading books that are too easy for them or it, vice versa. What if you have a learner that's right. a little bit... Um, you know, challenge in certain subjects. You want to be able to have that a la carte for that difficult part. Right. Math and reading are something that we we find that you need more a la carteness, unless your kid's right in line. And what you can do is you can go to some of the curriculum providers for math and for reading and do some assessments and find out if your child's on grade level or not, in, if you want to do a big box. But otherwise, we would we would say to start small and affordable and just ease your way into this. Um, so that you don't uh, you don't jump in and spend a ton and then be overwhelmed as well and add one piece at a time, you know get a if you want to get a math curriculum do that, you know start with that ease into it and then add another thing and you know don't don't feel like you've got to if it's gonna stress you don't feel like you do have to do everything on day one unless there is a state requirement that you got to turn in a learning plan yeah. and all of this stuff remember no nobody is judging you. Nobody is taking you to task for not, you know, doing 18 things on day one. So, you know, just just remember that. Yeah. And I'm sure if you did a learning plan with your, you know, teacher or the person that you have to report to and you're like, we started with Math Mammoth and that didn't work for us. We had to go to Singapore Math. I doubt they will have a problem with that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there are plenty of good programs. Uh, one of the things you have to understand first and foremost about them is uh, you need to pick a delivery method. So if you're really looking for a workbook type or, you know, something physical or you're okay with a digital curriculum that you print out yourself or you want something online, you want your kids to be able to sit down at a computer and for you to more administrate their learning than teach uh, you need to make some of those decisions because that really changes what is available. Um, and then you need to consider your student's learning style. If they're a super hands-on learner or they're very visual, um, they like, some kids love workbooks. Our, our daughter actually really likes workbooks. Even though I hate workbooks. She really likes them. Um, some kids love them and, and others just hate workbooks. So know a bit about your learner and what you think. I mean, it's a bit of a guessing game when you get started, honestly, but 
you know, and that's, and that's the other thing about starting, uh, at a better price point, you can get a, uh, a math curriculum for 40 bucks, 50 bucks for a whole year. Yeah. You know, you don't need to spend a ton. Uh, you can do similar with, uh, some different phonics programs and things and for reading and spelling and things, a lot of things are free. So, yeah. Well, and also you can leverage the library for your books, um, especially if you have a library that has a lot of learning books. Like, for example, we just realized we could check out like billions of Bob books from our library. We've had a bunch of Bob books. And so if price is a is an issue for you, you do know that you do not need to spend the bank to to do this. You can easily get through an entire curriculum year with math, your reading and your base level curriculum, whatever, if it's a digital one. You know, you could easily spend a hundred dollars or less for your entire homeschooling mm-hmm. year, and then use the library to to get all your books. Right. You do not need to spend a thousand dollars. Right, a year. that is a total myth. Yeah. You know, not that it. You know, if you want to spend the money, or you know, but we just don't want you to feel like you have to. Yeah. Absolutely. So we've done a number of curriculum reviews on the show for lots of popular secular curriculum titles. So you can definitely check those out. We'll put a link in the show notes to our reviews. Um, if you want more resources, we like to look at Rainbow Resources. It's a great site. They have a really good catalog, mm-hmm. and it has a nice table in it that gives you an idea. And they have good filters for like secular, religious. Right, yeah. neutral. And they also have, um, they've got a really good, their their catalog's really great at telling you how much like teacher time is involved. Mm-hmm. So you know like, oh, this is a really, this is going to be a very teacher intensive type of curriculum versus, oh, this is more independent based or, you know, it gives you a good idea. I think it's a great summation. Just know that at Rainbow Resources, you're not going to find any of the digital curriculum. So some of the really popular literature based secular curriculums right now, your Blossom and Root, Torchlight, Build Your Library, those are digital. They're digital PDFs that you would then print. Um, and those are not going to be found in any kind of catalog because it's nothing for them to sell like that. So, um, other things like playing preschool, we're big fans of the digital curriculums because they're very affordable. You get an entire digital curriculum for 40 or $50 for the whole year. Yeah. And it tells you all the books that you need and you need to acquire those. But if you have a decent library system, you can really go a long way with that. So take a look, figure out what, you know, what learning instruction style you want, what content you wanted to teach, um, what delivery method you want, paper or online, and then use some of the resources that we've talked about to narrow it down. And then if you still have further questions and you're not sure if it's right for you, check out some YouTube walkthroughs, listen to reviews by other families, and see if it sounds like the right fit. And if in doubt, just don't just don't um, blow the budget on, on one curriculum. Absolutely. Especially if it's your first year, I, I really encourage people to, you know, dial it back a little bit, use one of the, we always like to say, use one of the digital curriculums and, and I don't think you can go wrong with, you can't go wrong with them. We, we, we've been using them for a couple of years now. We've used pretty much every one of them, um, in multiple levels and we've been very happy with them and you, you really just can't go wrong with them. So Mm -hmm. the people out there, they're bought, they're sold, (laughs) they got their curriculum, they're getting their, they just got signed up for the newsletter and the, and then the magazine subscription from, Rainbow Resources. They can't wait to buy their million uh, manipulatives. Oh God, I love Rainbow Resources. <laughs> it is that amazing. catalog every year is like Christmas. Yeah, it so is. It's my Toys R Us catalog. It it's my t- adult Toys R Us catalog. It's the homeschooling Toys R Us catalog, and they they now gotta look in their house, find a place. Where do where are we going to do the homeschooling? Right. So, myth: homeschooling is done in a dedicated homeschool room. Or homeschooling is only done at the dining room table. Homeschooling is done everywhere. Homeschooling is done throughout our entire house. We, so, we in some of our interviews, we have heard people do pool school. Oh, we yeah. have tried car schooling. We mm-hmm. have tried all the schooling. We've camping schooled. We camping schooled. Right. So yeah. um, school can take place anywhere. But if you're looking to set up a space, uh, you have to make a couple decisions. Do you want to do a dedicated space? Now, if you're like gung ho all into homeschooling and you're going to do it for years, yeah, then home, you already got the homeschooling forever tattoo right right, <laughs> right above your homeschooling together tattoo. Uh, so homeschooling together forever. <laughs> So if, if you know you're, you're in it to win it, then you have extra space. Having a dedicated homeschool room is great with a nice big table and um, lots of bins to sort out all your different papers and art supplies and shelves for your books and bins for your science gear and all that stuff is great. Um, you know, definitely 
do it up, make it fun. Don't make it too cluttered. Sometimes that can be really distracting for learners. Really having bins for things I have found to be very helpful, especially just... You know, you're, it's going to look beautiful on day one, and by day four, it's going to look terrible. Yeah, you need places to store everything. But 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 going from day four and back to day five, which is the reset to day one, having those bins, man, you just toss them into the bins, it feels like, you know, it just feels amazing. Right. You know, having, I think the most important things in a good homeschool space, having places to store all of your supplies mm-hmm. adequately and, and to be able to put them away easily. And, um, and effective, too, because... You, for, for me, a lot of the times, it's finding the thing I need. Well, right. You have to label things well, make sure that it makes sense. Um, so having having good storage, having a nice large work surface, this is going to be uh, the place where you're going to make making massive timelines of history. I mean, think, you know, have a nice large work surface and then have something cozy, whether it's a reading corner, mm-hmm. or some beanbag chairs, something comfy that kids can curl up in and listen to you read a story or you know, have, have a cozy space. So if you're going to do a dedicated space, I think those are the most important things. And don't you don't have to be elaborate with it, but no. but be fun about it. This is this is a space that you want to be inviting for you and your kids to spend a lot of time in. So. It doesn't have to look like a pottery barn <laughs> picture. I've seen some people have these amazing homeschool spaces, but do make it fun. I've seen some that are super over cluttered. So just be a little wary of putting too many posters and things on the wall because it can be kind of overwhelming for your kiddos. They can get a little bit of sensory overload. Um, if you are not sure if you're going to continue homeschooling or if you don't have a dedicated space, then pick another area of your house that you're going to primarily homeschool in. And this could be your dining room table or a little section of your family room, something like that. And you can have like a little rolling cart. Right. And this is where we go portable. So you're going to want to have a rolling cart probably. Homeschool on the go. Yeah. With all of your different uh, supplies in it, your books and, and things, maybe a small bookshelf for the, the books that you're using right that that uh, that week. And then maybe a little, we have a little portable art caddy that we have. I got it. It's like a little craft bin uh, Mm -hmm. with handles from Michael's. I think I got it at a garage sale for a dollar. And we've put all of our art stuff in there, put it on our dining room table. And then we can just move it when we're done. So that works really nice. In this situation where you're, you're using a space that's also meant for something else, you have to be a little bit, you know, you still want it to be fun, but I still want to use my dining room too. Yes, I still yes. want to eat eat dinner in my dining room. So don't, don't blow it. Don't, don't sacrifice a section of your house for homeschooling. Yeah. If you if you want to and it makes you happy, then go for yeah, it. Go but don't whatever, think yeah. that you have to. I think there's there's plenty of portable setups that work really good. And even though we have a dedicated homeschool space, we still do a lot of it at our own dining room table. Realize that we do the morning baskets at the dining room. Yeah. Table realize that no matter how much you try to contain your homeschool, it does just spread throughout your house. Hey, the funny thing is. It, you you will find that various places in your house take on certain tasks. Like the kitchen table right. is our morning basket. The couch in the living room is where I do all my reading. Mm-hmm. Upstairs is where we do math and and and, and right. phonics. And so it's like these various areas of the house have their own their own form and function. It's very funny. Right. And use your space. Uh, don't feel that you have to that you have to totally lose the space of your house completely to homeschooling. Yeah. There's plenty of families that homeschool in their dining room and you can't tell that that's what they do all the time. And there's others who have dining rooms that are covered in posters and timelines and fun pictures and things. So, you know, do what you, what makes you feel good and makes you happy. Um, but again, just be fun about it. I really encourage people to check out the Facebook group, Real Home, Real Life Homeschool Spaces, because it's a fantastic glimpse into the not the photoshopped picture on a on a blog it's somebody's real space and a lot of times it's a space somebody's like oh i'm moving into this house and this is the room where i only have this small dining room can people show me pictures of their small spaces you're going to get tons of real life ideas and you'll be able to ask questions to people you can even post a picture of your space and say mm-hmm. what should i do here so that community is invaluable if you're at all interested or concerned about how to set up your homeschool space so you're telling me there's a there's a niche on youtube for extreme home school makeover episodes i mean i'd like to win that where you and i come in with like belts and tool belts and hammers oh God, that'd say, be terrible guys we got to knock this wall out we're doing <laughs> this is just eggshell it's eggshell everywhere ariel what are we going to do with this no 
You don't want to you want to become internet famous on that? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> famous enough. Famous, yeah. The the next thing that they want to do is get a rhythm and routine. So they got their space, they got their curriculum. They're starting to get library books pouring in by the truckloads. <laughs> get some sturdy bags. Sturdy bags, sturdy bins bags, or yes. something for sturdy your library bins. books. Um take it from me. The rhythm and routine, going through the daily the daily motions. What is your what does your week look like? What does your day look like? Yeah, so this is all about planning. Um, one of the things that new homeschoolers tend to do, this is kind of like anybody that's new to something. I, I see this a lot, and I've done this before with like new diet programs and things. You're really good at the beginning, and you plan everything to the nth degree. I'm going to eat perfectly, and I'm going to track all my meals. And Ariel, this year we're going to raise bees. <laughs> you know, I mean, and so you do all this effort, and... And then it invariably it's just, it's, it's too much work and you can't keep it up. Um, and that's what happens when I see people make these crazy detailed plans. If it works for you and you that's the way that your mind is happy, then, you know, please go forth. But the, I just would caution you at the beginning not to overschedule yourself. I see some people that make their, you know, poster board plan of their day and it's like in done in five or 10 minute increments and it's like, Whew, you know, um, talking about super nanny in your homeschool world. Yeah. And I, I see that happen and I know it's just from parents who want it, it. It's done out of an overabundance of wanting to make sure that they, they do everything for their kid, that they have a really productive, full, great day and that their kids love it. Um, just be really cautious mm-hmm. about doing that. I Again, think, that goes into our comment about easing into things. Right. I think ease into it. And uh, this is especially true if you're pulling your kids from public school to put them in homeschool. And I guess we should preface this. We're recording this at the beginning of the school year. So we're thinking about people who are who have had the summer off um, and it's a pandemic year. But if you're listening to this at some other time. Well, and Labor Day is, and this will actually drop on Labor Day. Right. And so a, a lot for a lot of people... Um, this coming week and the week following are the first weeks of the school year. Right. So if you're at listening least, to at this at some country, other yeah. time yeah. Um, than when it releases and you're pull, just pulling your kids out of a school, please take some time to um, to de-school and just rest and relax before you embark on something else. And you can you can read a lot about de-schooling if you do some internet searching on that. Um, so before you develop a routine, make sure that everybody is rested and ready to start. Um, and then I would say to start, have a, just a, a basic plan. These are the basic movements of what I want to do. Um, if you have a curriculum that's got a scope and sequence and you want to follow it, great. I would not pencil in exactly what you're going to do every single day um, if it's too much. Uh, rather, you know, maybe we're going to do some of our, our literature curriculum. We're mm-hmm. going to do a math lesson and a reading lesson every day and some outside time. That's great. You know, I mean, just don't be so hyper-focused on exactly what day or exactly what time you're going to do everything because then you well, end up getting yeah. behind and it gets to be stressful for you. And then you're you're rushing to catch up to your fictional schedule. Yeah. Um, and, and also don't plan too far out in advance, right? So for us, we know we're doing three curriculums right now. We're doing an around-the-world study. We're doing a math. We're doing a reading. And I know when I want to finish those. And that's it. <laughs> and I know the basic movements of every week, the different countries we're going to go to. But I'm not saying on Tuesday we're going to do exactly this thing because invariably Tuesday is going to be the day when we wake up and need to take the car into the shop. Yeah, exactly. Or something's going to happen or the kids well, aren't feeling and, and, it. And the way I handle these things is that I, you're right. I do have, you know, here's 20 books I have to read over the next two weeks. Here's 10 spine books that I have to read a couple pages out of. I have to do four math lessons and two, you know, f- three or four reading lessons. Mm-hmm. I will very often, the way I handle it, the way you organize it for me on the Trello board is that here's just a list of things I have to do over the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I begin to pull things off the stack. I say, well, right now, let's see, it's 10 in the morning. Uh, the, the little one is happily playing with Duplos. I'm going to get the big kid. I'm going to grab three or four, you know, picture books that are part of our curriculum. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read with her and I'm going to ask her questions and we're going to, you know, do a little bit of call and response and understand. And, and maybe I'll pull the globe down. It's a little bit of a, you know, a globe study. Where are we? Where, which country are we in? Things like that. I'll just pull it right off the top of the stack and I'm great. They're done. I move them to complete. And then I go, okay, let's do the art activity. Cause the two-year-old is starting to get a little bored 
and I need to get her doing something that's creative. Great. I'm going to pull the art book out, flip to the page. Great. Oh, I have to make crowns this weekend and castles. Great. This is going to be fantastic. So I'm going to pull my art caddy down, get my materials out, sit at the kitchen table, start doing the work, right? Having that free flow for me is really helpful. And that, but you know, our week is planned. I know what I have to do over the coming week. All of my books are in a crate. All my activities are all sitting here. I could look on my phone and find out all the things I have right. to accomplish. Going with that type of looser rhythm, at least for me, has worked for me. It, it works nice for us. Um, we use Trello. If you heard Matt say we use Trello, it's yeah. an online free project management tool. We like it because we can do as much or as little detail as we want, and it allows us to shift things around. If we didn't finish something this week, we can just move it over to next week, and it's really easy. So, well, And something that I always like to do, maybe just another additional point, is I like to front load the week with all of my curriculum stuff, like all my books. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty consistent with my math and reading because it really just falls within the two-year-old's nap time. So you'll find your rhythm. You know, maybe you have a couple older kids and you don't have a two-year-old that you got to contend with. Or maybe you have two young kids and you got to learn how to contend with those. Maybe you got to do stuff during nap times. You have to find that rhythm to start. And obviously it's going to change over time, but find that starting point and then go ahead and, you know, work the engine and everything. I find loading up all my books early in the week, get all my reading done, you know, Monday, Wednesday, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And that gives me a lot more creativity, especially towards the end of the week where, Maybe the kids are getting a little antsy, or maybe we know we have an activity. We're going to go see grandma and grandpa this weekend or something like that. I want to make sure I have Friday open or, oh, I have a play date scheduled for Thursday. I don't want that to impact all my homeschool for the whole day. So I'm going to get all my reading done and then I'll get my two math, you know, my two math lessons done and I'll do my reading lesson in the morning before her friend comes over. Like those are the great ways to find that rhythm and understand how can I fit my homeschooling into the week? Because we all know that it takes a lot less time to homeschool than you would spending yeah, time in the public time. school. And I think that's a really important thing that goes all the way back to the, can I do this? Am I doing enough? Those original questions that we always have is that you have a lot more freeform control over your education here, and it takes a lot less time than you think. Now, you know, are my kids just sitting out for six hours a day twiddling their thumbs? No, I'm, I'm trying to keep them active and doing fun things. And we're watching yeah. videos and we're learning about certain things. Right, but, but we're not we're not hunkered down doing schoolwork. I think it's important. Yeah, they're not sitting at a desk like, you know, writing their name five right. million times. M make the plan that works for you and then and then develop a weekly and daily routine that seems to fit with your kids' rhythm cycles. You know, for our kids, they wake up in the morning. They need to eat first thing. If they don't eat, things are crazy. They need to eat right away. Yeah. And then they have they have a burst of focus time that we use for our morning basket, and then we get them outside because that's what they need. You know, find your kids' rhythm, and you might just experiment with it a little bit. Try homeschooling at different times of day. See how they respond. Maybe they're great doing, you know, their literature in the morning, but, you know, they have to wait till the afternoon for math because they just can't do it yet. I mean, really... And, and make sure that you plan active time every day outside for them if you can, weather permitting, uh, because it really helps to them to come back and focus when their cup is very full. So experiment with different routines. Find what works for your family. Find a weekly rhythm. Maybe every Friday you go on a field trip or, you know, find a weekly rhythm that works for you. If you're new to planning and you're not sure how to how to do a plan of when you should get things done, consider just doing a loop schedule. A loop schedule is nothing more than a stack of everything that you have to do that goes to just by curriculum-wise, right? About, yeah. So you could say, I have math, I have reading, I have science, I have English, whatever. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to say when I'm going to do them. I'm just going to go down in that order. And when I get done, I will cycle back to the top. So when I'll do when I finish English, good math is next, and you just keep going in a loop until that doesn't work for you anymore. Um, without being so stringent about exactly what day I'm going to do things, you just pick up the thing that comes next. So don't overschedule yourself to start, but do come up with a, a, a routine and a rhythm. Kids really thrive on routine, so you know if you're loosey goosey every day and you homeschool at different times every day that might be disorienting for your kids. Mm -mm. Try to find something that works with their kind of natural daily rhythms. Absolutely, I agree. So the last point that we'll hit here is a theme that you've referenced a few times is just start homeschooling. Ease into it, just start, fake it till you make it. 
You know, just right. begin. It's, just do it's it. hard. Sometimes we like do analysis it. paralysis. Do it. Well, it's hard. You know, you're like, <laughs> ah, I want the start to be perfect and I want everything to be great for my kids. And you get so hesitant. Um, if you're nervous about starting, just just take the plunge. Just start. If you want to start, if maybe you're you're busy planning a curriculum for your kids, let's say, and it's taking you some more time to figure out, fine. Take your time to figure that out. Start with a unit study. A unit study is such a great way to start. I agree. Just sit your kids down, ask them what they want to learn about, find what that is, go to the library, grab a bunch of books, go find some YouTube videos, do a little bit of hunting online for a science project maybe or some art that goes with it. Or, you know, if it's nature, you can get outside and, and look at whatever it is. Um, and then just do that for the week. Take them, take them to the library, get all that stuff. And that gives you time to finish your planning. I know that I know that I wouldn't want to just just start no. when I, you know, I know I have a curriculum picked out and I'm still getting my ducks in a row. I'm still getting all my books in for it or I'm still making my plans or whatever it is. Um, but it, but in that time that you're doing that, you're delaying actually starting homeschool. You'll actually feel better if you just start with something and have start having some fun with it while you finish making all your all your plans. So um, that that would be our advice. You know, pick a pick a unit study and and just get going and really focus on the quality mm. over the quantity of what you do with your kids. It can be exciting at first to homeschool. There's so many great resources and you want to do it all and you want to give your kids everything. But focusing on quality is so important the relationship that you have with your kids, mm -hmm. the value um, and depth of what they learn is so much more important than the the breadth mm -hmm. of, you know, hitting everything. So there is so much more time. We have so many more hours in the day. You can homeschool year round if you want to, which we do and we love. Yes. Um, don't feel like you have to cram it all in right now. When we dip into the weekends as well with a little bit of our morning basket work that we do. So we, we, we rarely shut it off. So we just make it part of our life. Kind of like with the diet idea that you said, you know, we're not on a diet. It's a lifestyle change. And it's really yeah. more of the lifestyle learning and education as being something that's ever present mm -hmm. in, our, in our lifestyle. That homeschooling isn't really a thing we do. It's just the way we live. It is. It is. We don't say, you know. That Can we put that on a t-shirt? Ha. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. Um, we don't say that you know the kids are studying space. We are studying space as a family because yeah. we we live. We are all studying. Well, I, I, I swear, you know, Scouts Honor, whatever. I was never in Scouts, but um, I love learning <laughs> about all these places we're going. The the whole right. The whole We've been watching the all thing. these videos about feel, the different countries. I feel myself. I have become more enriched just doing this. I can't oh, even I imagine to. what this is doing for my kid. Yeah, between, you know, uh, watching videos about the countries, reading about them, eating the food, oh, yeah. discussing it. When, you know, when we have family TV time at night, we're not watching a sitcom. We're watching travel videos about Iceland. We're looking back at our, we were looking back at our pictures tonight of where, yes. when we visited yeah, and we're, talking we're to the, our daughter about we're in it. We're in the north, north of Europe right now, and we were in... Uh, included Iceland, and we were looking through our Iceland photos with our daughter. Yeah, today. from our trip years back. So, it, you know, it it is a way of life. Know that, um, you, you know, when you get started, nothing is going to be perfect. We are constantly changing. Matt and I are talking. It may sound like you know we we're pretty confident in our curriculum choices and where we're going, but we are talking all the time about adjusting. Yeah, we're micro corrections all the time. We are working all the time. He's he's giving me feedback well in the reading. This is how it's going. I'm really thinking we need to tweak this here. I mean, it's it's something you're constantly working on. So be flexible, be okay with, you know, your plans maybe needing to change for your kids. It feels like, you know, in my going back to the sports analogy, it does feel like I'm like the golfer and you're my caddy, right? <laughs> and I, I played a lot of golf in high school and college. So, you know, for me, like like you're right that there's if you watch golfers, they the caddy is not a just a guy who schluffs around the golf clubs. Like it is a cooperation. It's a team. They're working mm -hmm. together. They're 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 making micro corrections. They're talking about the elements and you know the, oh this is a little different here. We should go here. Like for example, the other day we were talking about like I need to do some more copy work. I need to have things for her to be working on and writing. I need to do more. More of this, more of that, or oh, this book is almost done. We just finished the Danelian book. I need, I need some more Danelian handwriting stuff because we just powered through. Yeah, it. we're working together. And yeah. if if you're, you know, in, in our household, Matt's the primary educator. Whoever's the primary educator in your house, 
know that you're not in this alone. Um, if you, if you want to go over it with your spouse and, and have he or she help you through areas that are difficult, or you have a best girlfriend who's also homeschooling her kids and you can talk through things with her, just know that these corrections are happening all the time. Um, just because we're, we're so close to it. We're with our kids all the time. We know, oh, you know, Hey, I tried something new today and it was great. We need to get more of that. You know, we need to get more of those types of books. It worked awesome. Or yeah, this is really falling flat. She's not getting it. I just can see it. We're going to have to pivot. It, it happens all the time. So be flexible. Um, know that, you know, your, your plans are just not always going to come out the way that you expect them to. Um, and don't be, don't be hard on yourself, uh, for that. The other thing that I think is really helpful is to listen to the stories of others. So we've done a whole series of podcasts with interviews with homeschoolers about their homeschool journeys, which are terrific. And we specifically have a sub series in there of first year homeschoolers. And these are people coming off their very first year who can talk about all the trials and tribulations, how they felt before they started, how they feel at the end of their first year. They are a great source of information for new families, just getting their feet wet. Um, Mm -hmm. Highly encourage you to go out and seek those. We'll put it in the show notes. Listen to some of those stories. The most important thing when you listen to those first year homeschoolers is that we, a lot of those interviews were that kind of that first six to nine to 12 months of the homeschooling year. And so you're going to be hearing a lot of names. I mean, a lot of, you're going to be hearing a lot of things from people where they are just about 180 days ahead of you. Yeah. And they're only just like, you know, 200 days just ahead of where you are right now. And it brings a lot of that fear and anxiety down knowing that, Hey, this person was never a homeschooler. They never wanted to homeschool. They never even thought they would be homeschooling. And now they're homeschooling forever. Right. Right. And they didn't plan that. And they, they fell in love with it. They were able to adapt. They were able to find the challenges with their, with their learners and, and make the best of it. Those interviews are really helpful, I think, for new new people mm-hmm. because it's not talking about somebody who's ten year veteran talking about ten year veteran stuff, yeah. right? We're talking about somebody who pulled their kids out of school six months ago, and now they're homeschooling their kids, yeah. and I think that is a very valuable thing. Yeah, I think it's terrific. Listen to stories, get some community. We hope that this was helpful. You know, in the end, just just start. We hope that you have a terrific homeschooling journey. We're here for you. You know, we've got the mm-hmm. the Facebook group. It's a it's a safe place to ask questions yeah. or you know, if you want to hear podcasts and more information about a specific topic, you know, you can let us know. Please yep. reach out to us. We are we're happy to help. We really are. Absolutely. And share share the YouTube videos and share this podcast with somebody who maybe you, you might be commiserating with something or your sister is also going to be homeschooling yeah. and they don't know anything. So feel free to share this with them. Feel free to share those YouTube videos. Yeah, that's why we made them is for yeah. new people to find them and, and hopefully get some help getting started. Yeah, so getting started is the big thing. Help spread the word, please. Ariel, we survived. Ariel and I are coming off of a grade A flu delivered to us by yeah. one of our children. It wasn't COVID. It wasn't COVID. It, after, it was, after two home COVID tests and, and, a, and an, an official, official one, test, they're all it negative. Was definitely all negative. Man, what a doozy! And we, Ariel has been sucking back on the water. I am my my voice is very deep and very sultry yeah, right now. I'm about to. Yes, we're about to lose it. But uh, thanks for sticking with us, guys. Yeah. We hope that this is helpful. We hope Absolutely. it helps you guys get so, off to a good start. So let's end this the way we always end it oh, with something right. that we're into, and it's a, a very helpful. It's a YouTube uh, classroom teacher extravaganza. She's so peppy. She's so peppy. Well, we've been sick this week, and we have been watching so much of this, and it's made us <laughs> feel like ultra sick, I guess, because she's just so darn peppy. So Katie's classroom is a wonderful little YouTube series. The woman deserves all the millions and millions of views that she gets every oh, video. She's fantastic. It's about a 20-minute um, classroom episode. It's a preschool class. It's like a preschool class, and she has a the theme. best preschool class. It's really cool preschool class. So she sings. She plays instruments. She takes you on field trips. She does little experiments. There's art. There's songs. It's it's amazing, and it's every episode has a theme. So it might be trucks, or it might be dinosaurs, or whatever it might be. That she will go through all these activities, and, they, and she shows you how to do some easy yeah. activities. That and you a can lot do of the home. activities are very easy. Like you could just oh yeah, she's making pause like a and go do it yourself. Right, she was yeah. making a construct a construction paper dump truck the other day. She used a brad so she could actually yeah. move the 
the the the truck um bed and then she had a, a special pocket she taped on the back of it so you could put rocks in it and when you yeah. moved it the rocks fell out i yeah. was like it was pretty ingenious you're brilliant katie good job katie our two and a half year old absolutely loves katie's classroom we're getting her prime for her preschool class but she <laughs> I, her preschool class i mean it will probably fall short this lady oh, yes, is so she's so peppy and well, wonderful and, and uh, another thing that i always like to do is is i like to you know, see people do things and it's a great way for me to, you know, learn things. I, I, I learn by watching mm-hmm. and watching her, how she acts, you know, not the singing. I'm not very good at singing, but it does give me some ideas on what to do with the two-year-old. So you, you if you're going to watch it and then take them out of that, you know, environment wherever they're, they're watching the video and then go do that same activity, for those little young learners, those two, three-year-olds, man, it really sparks an interest with them. They really connect with it. I got to um, say, our five-year-old also enjoys Casey's oh, classroom. Yes, yes, I she, mean, this is it's a preschool it's, class, but... It's full-on legit. She loves it, too. She she loves it. She's, so if you got some young learners it. and you need to buy 20 minutes, that <laughs> Katie's classroom... <laughs> it's especially really if fantastic. You're, especially if you feel like death and you don't want to move. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you you want to... You you're still shaking your fist at the older one who gave it to everybody. Um, yeah. Katie's classroom is is the thing to be. Katie's classroom is one of those things that is like one of those amazing YouTube properties where you're like, I can't believe I get access to this for free. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things like Discovery will come and like give her money or something to make her Katie's classroom, but she will never have as much influence and as many views as she does on her YouTube channel. Right. It's like she has already exceeded what like the big TV people would want, which is a really highly beautifully refined product, perfectly edited perfectly delivered yeah and very entertaining great and colorful and she's very talented she's a very good singer she's very peppy and she smiles and she has a great delivery some of these like these preschool class classes on channels yeah. on youtube can be kind of like a little cringy at points there's no cringe with this woman she's no, got she's, she's got very, the full deal like genuine and sweet and i don't mind watching her as an adult she, either. She, it is worth watching. She's but it's very... something that you're like, I can't believe I get this for free. Yeah. I should have to pay for this. This is such high quality. Ariel, we do. We pay for YouTube premium. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, but still, just <laughs> if we didn't, having to watch an ad, it's just, it's so professionally done is what I mean. That it's well done. You go like, wow, this is this is free content. Anyway, so it's a long one. Our voices are shot. Sorry, We're going to be whispering to each other. Hi, Ariel. Good morning. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, hope you had a great day. Hope you share this with others and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!